0: Jay Shah, my good friend. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. You're like big man on campus right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's certainly, you know, it's, it's been such a quiet year transaction wise. And I think that makes it that much more remarkable, uh, you know, today it's, it's been, a, you know, it's been, a, it's been an interesting few months, but, uh, but, but great to have the closing done and, you know, moving on.
0: Well, that's probably why you did it. Cause we were bored. So you're like, yeah, let's shake up things. So, uh, thank you for joining me today. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot. We're going to get into a lot. We're going to learn Jay. We're going to learn about Hershey. So I want to talk about the deal. We'll learn about everything. I feel I feel like you. We've been trying to do this for a while. You finally had to sell the company before you would come on, and you know, we could do this. Is that what it is? Yeah. Make
1: for a better conversation.
0: Yeah, you, that this way you can be wide open, telling right. stuff you shouldn't have told. <laughs> all right. So do I have to introduce you as Jay Shaw, former chairman of Hersha Hospitality Trust? I think uh, I
1: think that is correct. That is correct. I think it's the first time I'm being so announced, but I think that is exactly right.
0: I feel honored. So, just for everyone, Hersha Hospitality publicly traded. We just sold the company last week, closed officially correct. to uh, KSL, the division of KSL that they're going to form. So, uh, give me give me ninety seconds. Let's let's jump dive. in. Give me ninety seconds. What are the sound bites? How do you feel about the transaction? Congratulations. I should say that first, but congratulations. Yes, no, you, for sure. That's a big thank deal. That's a really big deal. You.
1: Yeah, no, thank you. It was uh, you know, it, it was a big deal. And um it was, you know, we feel very we feel very good about the deal on a on a variety of fronts. You know, as a public company, the first things first, we wanted to make sure that we were being thoughtful about capital our shareholders' capital. And You know, in a time like this, where there's so much uncertainty in the marketplace, to be able to deliver a 60% premium to shareholders um, felt like a really great execution. And so that was important to us. And and we, you know, that was one of the primary drivers in, in most of the negotiations. You know, feel really good that a lot of the team, most of the team, all of the team is moving over. Uh, you know, you know, despite me transitioning uh, away from day-to-day responsibilities in a proactive role, uh, you know, the, the the team is going to be continuing to work with the portfolio with KSL, um, and uh, and we're very excited for the future. KSL has uh, obviously a fantastic reputation in the hospitality industry, and and uh, no shortage of know-how uh, across a lot of different. Uh, a lot of different types of hospitality investments, and so having a firm that has access to capital in the way that they do, uh, and also has the subject matter expertise, um, you know, feels like a you know feels like a a a, a, a very a very desirable twofer, uh, you know, when you know as you're considering capital partners for a to take private like this.
0: Um, um, I'm I'm going to put you on the spot, Dad. Was this uh, offense or defense? I mean, was this the right partner in the right time or was it the uncertainty and you know why not get out yeah get out now. i mean yeah, that's no. a big decision you're a, you're a family business you've been doing this 20 something years like this is a big decision so why now yeah no it's a good question i you know
1: you know and and, and we've talked about this for several years that you know the we we had been our, our objective for the last four or five years has to has been to close the valuation gap between the private market of our Portfolio hotels and their implied value based on where the stock was trading, and you know for a variety of reasons, and you know the in the sector has 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 sort of felt those headwinds. It's across right. the you know the publicly traded hotel read sector, and 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 as we were continuing to think about this, you know we you know Goldman Sachs has been our banker for a while, and so you know you can close that gap. Uh, either by, you know, the market's better recognizing value, uh, or you have to consider other strategic alternatives. And, and so as, you know, as, as most responsible boards would do, this is something that we as a company, as a publicly traded company would visit on a very regular basis to make sure that the strategy, uh generally was consistent with where the market was, what the outlook for the company was, uh, and and other macroeconomic factors. But, you know, all that being said, there just wasn't any activity for right. for several years, right? Like, we, right. you know, we were t- and then, you know, it would happen in the spring of this year. It was very interesting. It was around the time of, um, not the spring, but maybe the s- summer. In the spring, we started getting some interesting inbound inquiries on the company and you know then in the summer we felt like there was this you know remobilization of investors you know looking to get in the space and there, you know there was that moment in time last last summer when it felt like things were going to get materially better sooner than they actually have and so uh, so at that point you know ha- you know goldman has a you know very good you know had a great working knowledge of the company and so at that point, because it was multiple parties, we thought it made sense to uh, do a more organized process, and so we ran a process at that point. And um, it was robust. Multiple, you know, multiple in, you know, investors showed up for it. And in the end, you know, KSL's view on value and um, the view on the portfolio was most similar to ours, and 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 that's how. That's how we ended up working with KSL. Fortunately, we had, you know, we we knew most of the investors that were in the process. You know, having been in this industry for a while, uh, you get to know you get to know a, a lot of the capital players. Yes. And um, so we had, uh, you know, we've known KSL for years, and so it it uh, was a very fortuitous outcome. You know, one that we're very very happy about.
0: Yeah, they're a very big, uh, very bold player in the space, especially as of late. Yeah. So congratulations. They're going to be a great partner for you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. I'm going to, I want to get into it. I want to, let me back up. Let me find out Jay Shah and the, and the Shah family, uh, sure. before the glory days of Hersha. That's so me right. back to the humble beginnings of, of Hasu dad. And what, where did dad begin? What was dad's first motel?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really good question. We, you know, it's interesting before, you know, my father was an engineer for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, and he, uh, he worked for the state Department of Environmental uh, Protection, and he was a chemical engineer, but he always had an entrepreneurial pension. And so, you know, in those early days, he would invest in single family homes. And, you know, back then there was, you know, the interest rates were extremely high and, you know. You know, there would be a lot of uh, foreclosure sales and things like that. And so we would go and buy homes at auctions oftentimes. You know, they had already gone through the process and they were already and, and, you know, there was at the time a lot of a lot of that kind of opportunity. And then we would go fix the homes up ourselves. You know, I, my dad would take me. I was in third grade around third grade of, of those days. and And we would do we would do everything to the house. Right. Like you. Pull up the linoleum flooring, all the carpeting. We'd lay new carpeting. Desha
0: swinging a hammer.
1: That's right. We put on new roofs. You know, my dad would let me at least get on the roof of ranchers back then, and you know, it's pretty Over. thrilling. pretty thrilling to be swinging a hammer at that age on a roof. Of course, love it. Even yeah. yeah. one story up, not two. Well, only one story. That was. I think that my mother might have had something to do with that. And uh, and so then. So, you know, you know, fast forward several years, my dad had a decent portfolio of these homes and also at some point started buying some garden style apartments. And, you know, this was these were our family investments. So my dad would be an engineer at the state for most of the day. And in the evenings, we'd go make rounds like real estate entrepreneurs do. Right. And on the weekends, we would do some work on the house, sometimes on the week weekdays, we would work on some of the, you know, the homes and things like that, you know, by the time we got to the end of that period, you know, my dad got into that period, he, you know, he had a, you know, handful of, uh, you know, contractors and handymen, he had, you know, achieved a, some measure of entrepreneurial scale, even for a side business. So at the, you know, at the end of that period, my dad liquidated all of that, because he always had a dream of going back to India, and starting an entrepreneurial venture there. So, but at that point, I think you know the the story goes. And I'll have to I'll have to send you a copy of it. But you know, he he basically had about fifty thousand in savings from the sale of all of these homes, and from you know from the savings from his from his state salary, he had savings from that too. Uh, I was there, so I know it existed. And we took all that money and went to India with the intention of permanently settling in India. So now, you know, again, I'm like at this point, I'm probably about fourth grade, something like that, and and off we go. It was a uh, dramatic, big, bold, right, but bold move. And and we went back to India, and we were there for close to eight months. But as soon as we got there, my father's father passed away, which was one of the big motivators for my dad to go back. Um, you know, the entrepreneurial ventures that he wanted to get into. You know, he had realized that he'd gotten used to American capitalism. You know, in the short period that he had been an entrepreneur here and that he maybe preferred that to the way, you know, to, to that way. And and then generally also just socially, you know, it's amazing. You you know, you, you you know you go from a more of a nuclear family setting to all of a sudden being in the middle of extended family. And and it's a very different social dynamic as well and and so after about eight months we came back (laughs) and with a good amount of that a good amount of that savings and so as soon as we got back and got settled in again my dad got his job back at the state and you know he had fifty thousand dollars in capital and so you know he had heard from uh he had heard from people about the motel business and you know my dad's a very you know, you know, financially, he's a very talented guy. He's self-taught, right? But, uh, but, but he 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 gets it. And I remember at that time he explaining to me about, you know, I always say my dad never taught me how to throw a curveball, but he taught me about capital gains taxes at around that same time. You know, that I would be learning to throw a curveball
0: in the Shaw family.
1: Yeah. So he explained to me how, you know, this was like other real estate investments. But because it had an operating business, you generated more cash flow. So you could amortize your principal faster. And the additional cash flow also allowed you to build up capital to redeploy in other investments. And at the end, he always said, and it's still capital gains you know, on the, on the appreciation of the real estate. And so that you know, so this was this was how my dad decided to get into into the motel business. And so that that fifty thousand dollars went to the Starlight Motel in Middletown, Pennsylvania. Eleven units. Um, there was a cemetery on one side, a cornfield on the other, and it was on a secondary highway that had been, uh, you know, that had been somewhat preempted by Route Two Eighty Three. So Route Two Thirty was the old highway between. Harrisburg and Middletown, Pennsylvania. And uh, so we bought it and, you know, it, it was an underperforming hotel. Um, but there again, you know, a little bit of a rinse and repeat. We, you know, fixed it up physically and it still didn't help our transient business. But at that point, you know, my my mom actually, probably half the reason we named the company after, she started going around the area and got a contract with a trucking school and we became the trucking school's dormitory so that they would take then more out-of-state students and so you know at a at a, at a motel that had an ADR of eleven dollars and maybe we grew it to 14 by the time we sold it uh running an occupancy of 90 percent yeah would change it changed the entire face of the investment and so, you know, you can imagine from there, we sold that, took the gains from that, invested in more. And at that point, we were still buying. Um, we, we bought one other motel, the Red Rose Motel. But then my dad took some of the gains from the sale of both of those motels to buy our first hotel. And this is what's you know, this is where the, you know, I think, you know, my dad has, uh, you know, he's got a, a, a terrific courage and a boldness about him. And this was a 125 room, full service hotel, and it had. Give a, a year, give me a year, roughly. This was in 19, you know, like 80. 84. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just two years before I was heading off to college. Okay. So we bought this hotel, you know. We didn't have experience with full service hotels, and if, you know the you know the folks that recall that period, interest rates were very high. So in order to buy this, it was a, it was owned by nationwide insurance company. Nationwide used to have a portfolio of hotels called the Nationwide Inns. and uh, this had formerly been an Albert pick before it was and it had become an Americana and uh, and so we bought that hotel and and, you know, there there was a, you know, we had a general manager there. We didn't live there. You know, we had, we had lived at the Red Rose Motel. We never lived at the Starlight Motel. But I spent all my middle school years at the Red Rose Motel. And um, anyways, back to the Riverfront Inn, my dad was paying 16% interest on the mortgage. And there was no business. <laughs> you know, we bought it. There was a reason it had been... Underperforming, like it, you know, and it needed capital. We were able to put in some capital with some of the proceeds from the mortgage, but it wasn't enough to reposition. It certainly wasn't enough to win more market share. And then otherwise, it was the '80s, you know. This this was just the, you know, just how. It was. And there again, in a, a stroke of luck. I remember the one summer I came back from college, and we were, it was it, it was rough, like you know, things had gotten tight, and and so. I actually opened the first sales office at that hotel and I spent the entire summer pounding pavement trying to get trying to get business for the hotel and and you know that was marginally effective but here again my mom master stroke she was able to land a contract with Conrail you know the freight uh, you know the freight yeah, r- yeah. R- r- I mean they had you know, yeah. they had a station about seven miles from this hotel. So it was on the river in Harrisburg. It was kind of a beautiful place in Shypoke Village. And we and landed that contract. And there again, you know, we went from running 34% occupancy to running 95% occupancy. The mom was
0: the head salesperson. I can see this. Yeah, she, yeah, you that's see, right. Head of sales, sent her yeah, out.
1: That's right. And she, yeah, and then she would, she, she. She was very, very, very sharp and understood the dynamics. And so when we talk about a family business, this was a family business, right? And, uh, and you know, I'm running the sales office and then, you know, I would also bartend. because There was a bar, sure, of course, server as, you know, I worked in the, on the line, you know, with the drunk line cook in the morning, <laughs> you know, and uh, it was, a, it was unbelievable, but you know, great, great days, you know, and, and I think, you know, what, so, you know, when you ask, like, what, who is Hersha? Man, right. We work there, too. Like, you know, we were there, like, we'd be sweeping parking lots and, and you know, lighting the boiler and doing all that kind of stuff. Even though there was a staff, you know, we were trying to contribute. You know, our labor input was a bit more relevant than than it might be today. <laughs> and so, and so we, we leveraged that pretty good. And, but we learned everything about the business. And maybe even more importantly than that is that, when you work together with your family like that, you know, the collective set of values and, you know, there's a good exchange. You know, I'll give my parents a lot of credit because, you know, a lot of people from their generation sometimes are a little bit unilateral, you know, on how things should go. But, you know, my, my parents had us young and, you know, maybe because they're more youthful or, or they just had a, you know, just a, a you know greater sensitivity and awareness to it but you know it really you know it really really established a foundational set of values yes and, and 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 that's so important in a family enterprise i would imagine you would agree just the two of you just you and neil just yeah neil and i yeah my dad and uh yeah it's it, we're the only two you know we're the only two kids and so, you know, from there, my dad took on some partners. I went to college. Neil went to college. We were kind of out of this space. But, you know, it's a family business. And when you come home, you know, you're talking about your involved. Uh, but my dad by then had taken on partners. And we at that point, we, we weren't buying as many older hotels. You know, they got onto the, you know, they, you know, they, 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 you know, they merged into that trend of developing mid-scale uh you know, mid-scale interior corridor hotels. It was the you know it was the new big thing then. Right. You know, Best Westerns, Comfort Inns, and and uh, you know, Bob Hazard, you know, it was you know, Bob Hazard, I think, really really kind of accelerated the the interior corridor yes. mid scale property. And uh, and so then my dad and his partners, you know, they built out a portfolio of close to eight, nine hotels. And I graduated from college and I And I went to, you know, I worked in Washington, D.C. I went to work on Capitol Hill. I worked for Senator John Hines until he passed away. He was a senator from Pennsylvania. And um, when he passed away, I came back to Philadelphia to go to law school with this intention of staying in public service. You know, I thought I'd be, uh, you know, I wanted to be the district attorney wear the white hat get the bad guys. Big dreams yeah exactly it, you know and, and then I, I worked at the da's office for a couple of summers and and we it, it didn't have the romance that i had intended it felt a little more like a post office and so you know so then i kind of pivoted and got into business law and, and did that and I, and I started my own practice and uh and and that was successful but at the same time my dad's portfolio and neil at this point was in he was doing undergrad in philadelphia i was going to law school in philadelphia and, and dad's business was changing and it at, at you know at some point we during this period we bought our first urban hotel and it had been a ramada suites per you know uh, and i remember this because uh um you know it was you know it was, you know for folks that have been in the industry a while you remember Monty Bennett's father, Archie Bennett, he had a company back then, and it's you know a lot of a lot of portfolios back then had been you know built on on the on RTC acquisitions, you know when when these hotels were being um, worked out on a large scale and put back into the private private sector, and uh, and so we bought our first hotel in Philadelphia. It was a hundred room hotel in a uh, in 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 Chinatown. And we didn't used to talk about it as Chinatown because half a block away, the new convention center had been built, the Philadelphia Convention Center. And and so we bought that hotel just as that convention center had its first year and really repositioned it. You know, when I. It, that was about the time that I decided that maybe, you know, because I'm looking, you know, my brother and I are looking at the growth of the company and like, you know, they're having 20 percent growth year over year. And, you know, off of a smaller base. But I was like, that's pretty good growth. And 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 so, you know, Neil and I would always be talking to my dad and his partners. Uh, and, you know, many of the partners were folks we knew from the community, and, but my dad had a kind, of, he, he had a pretty structured approach on, on you know, how, how partners would screen others to be a partner. So in the end, they had about five folks. And, you know, most of them had all been engineers, had patents to their name, so pretty professional. Uh, advanced education and and anybody that came to the business as a partner had to give up their job and be a full-time entrepreneur and they would you know they would just you know and and their investments were making enough that folks could do that and so you know that kind of commitment was was what some of the initial partners Kieran Patel you know Bart Mehta uh, KD Patel who's now deceased and Roger Gandhi, who's unfortunately also deceased now. And David Desfor. Uh, you know, David had a management company in Harrisburg and my dad had known him for years. And David still went, oh, you know, all the partners are still together today. And, uh, and then also with kids, you know, like he had a whole thing with kids. Like, so, you know, the kids in the business weren't allowed to join and, and my brother and I included until we had gotten an advanced degree and had a job making x number of money x amount of money and that changed every year and that was real screen to make sure that this wasn't your last resort you know and so and and it was important to have outside experience before you came back but so but but nonetheless they had built a great platform they were growing at a really attractive pace and it was a development based platform all bootstrap equity no outside equity and and so, you know, it was around that time and I loved practicing law and, and, you know, you know, you know, being a lawyer has been really helpful. Uh, and I really, I really like my law partners. We would all come from larger firms and we were, you know, we had this idea of being a boutique real estate and construction practice, uh, and to be able to work with clients more nimbly than maybe a larger firm would, could be. And, and, um, and it was terrific, but at that point, I actually took, you know, I stopped practicing law, became the became the managing partner there, and started working more closely with the business. And, um, and the big thing that we were looking for was how to raise more capital. Right. And, and it was it was soon after that that we formed HHM because we needed a management company because okay. before it was all very very entrepreneurial. Each partner oversaw a hotel or two, basically asset managing is what we call it today yeah and so then we formed the first management company uh hhm back then kd patel was our first president of that and um uh and then we kind of kind of and then uh, three years later after saying if we're going to keep this growth up my brother and I, we're going to need outside capital and private equity felt expensive and at that time you know the public real estate markets were really really were really really constructive on REITs, and you know, we're talking about 1990, right? It was kind of the end of it, but you know it was right around then. And several companies had formed during that time, um, uh, you know, and there was one firm. I, it was KBW, I believe, that took most of them public. And you know, they they had a big in, income component back then. You know, they, they might have an eight percent yield, ten percent yield, and most of it back then was. Uh, you know, was was select service and they had a handful of big folks. And I think by then host had probably already been spun out but looked very different than it was today or it was after that that host got spun out as a read. He goes after that. It was after that, right? Yeah, I can't can't remember. But, um, But then, and then, so then we took the company public. I think there was a Russian ruble crisis. We went public, spent all this money and couldn't raise a dollar of capital out of the public markets for three years. And so, so we just kept on developing and we would contribute the developed hotels into the REIT. And it was the one way we could grow in return for stock. So it was, it was kind of non-cash growth. Yes. yes. Uh, and then that was then. And then fast forward, you know, we kind of, and then, you know, when Neil got out and, and decided that, you know, we were going to do this together. Um, you know, we shifted the strategy a bit at that point to, you know, becoming a more urban select service, developer and owner, you know, both, con- and, and, then, and then over time, you know, as, as, as you see the landscape shift and where the opportunities grow and where, you know, right, every generation has their own tastes and preferences, right? And, and, and you know, there's different assets that differentiate themselves during different eras. And so, you know, the, the strategy has remained very value oriented. It's very, very execution oriented you know, to have rationalized margins, a very top line driving driven culture as well. And, uh, uh, but but it's changed, you know, like now we're very focused on urban markets in the luxury and lifestyle space with some emphasis on innovation corridors within those markets, right? And so, and you know, over time, I'm sure that will also
0: shift. I, I just, I'm going to tell my stories ages, but I can remember again, I'm, it's late 90s, I believe, and I've just joined my father. And uh, you guys come into the office, uh, and your father's like, We've just started a REIT, a hotel REIT. And yeah. somewhere in there, my dad had sold the first hotel to the first hotel REIT. So it was all a new thing, right? Yeah, it was real new. Uh, and I think we were working with Bob Winston. Yeah. Uh Winston, Joe Green, Jim Rosenberg, yeah. at Winston yeah. Hospitality was, I think, was publicly traded at the time. They were. They and were. all they, of yeah, the management were. uh it, it, one hand you you had to manage your hotels if you were a REIT. And then the next year you couldn't manage your hotels if you were a REIT. It was That's all right. shifting. Somewhere in there, I think Winston had negotiated these grant leases, income leases. With their, and so, and then they came to us to try to sell, to monetize the leases. And we were like, you can't, that's impossible. Except there was like one new company, a a REIT. Like the only one you could sell it to was another REIT, from one REIT to another REIT.
1: Right, right, It was like
0: this brand new REIT was like, yeah, we're here, we'll buy. We'd love to buy these. Comfort (laughs) Inn in Wilmington, North Carolina. Right, right. (laughs) Uh,
1: I think I've been to that hotel.
0: (laughs) I mean... Yeah, I, I, that's, that's the start, and I remember thinking, "What is? I don't understand all of this." Yeah, you guys. If, you know, back then back it was the
1: a, Yeah, you know it, it. Well, you know, back then it was a big income play, right? Big it was, all cash it was, flow income. You're yeah, right. you could roll up large portfolios, and you know, you know, you may or may not get some synergies, you know, across the portfolio. But when you were pulling that much together, you got a great cost of capital advantage relative right. to the private markets back then. Right. And so you know that's how I got. That's how I got all kicked off. And and I mean now look at Reach today. I mean, it's you know such a you know such a far more sophisticated landscape than it was when we got started.
0: Well, then. let's even go back to that. I mean, go back to this, some of the REITs that aren't around. I'm thinking Winston, right? But there was Hotel Equities. Did I there say was that?
1: RFS, R- RFS?
0: RFS. That was the first one that I was thinking of. Uh, equity ends was what I was yeah, thinking.
1: That's that. um, yeah. Equity. Howard, Howard Silver.
0: Silver. And- these guys
1: were all the guys I would go to for tips because they'd all been they'd all been public for two years. <laughs> right, they <laughs> were the like, old timers. Yeah, that's right. I was like, "How are you guys doing this?" That's right. Um, Joe Green is like you know so you know uh, you know, I used to talk to Joe Green a lot and I still do when I see him. But he was so helpful. Uh, he was, you know, because he, he he knew his stuff. Like you know, he, he was the original great,
0: bright guy in the room. Yes, that's right.
1: He had a really good grasp could, on all the technical stuff. Correct. Uh, and he also understood the business really well. And so it, he was a great guy to learn from.
0: Uh, so, so I us listen, I'm getting nostalgic, but go with me. How do you go from, uh, and I'm laughing and one of your first ones was, uh, I was talking with Mitt the other day about uh, the the Hampton Inn. And it was like a Hampton Inn. I think we might've sold it to you guys. Uh, in uh, Noonan, yeah, we, Georgia. Yeah. Noonan we had, Georgia.
1: I think we had four of them. Noonan, Peachtree. Right. I right. Think. Uh, yeah. Yeah and And yeah, I, I remember back then we were we were getting started, and we you know we needed to get some scale. And you know, Atlanta was hot, right That's <laughs> it was right it was, Atlanta was hot. We just didn't realize that it was going to spread out as much as it did so quickly, <laughs> yeah so quickly. but you know those those were those were good hotels. you know, they kind of gave us some scale at the time. Uh, and you know, and I don't even recall when we sold those. But you know what you learn when you go public is very quickly, cash flow is good, but growth is better.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And, you know, and very soon enough, you know, these income vehicles, you know, in a matter of a handful of years, everyone's like, where's the growth? It's growth. And you're like, it's an income vehicle. And it was like, where's the growth? (laughs) So, you know, so we, so then all of a sudden, you know, the, you know, the entire sector, you know, shifts a little bit, right. And over time, these, these, these different, you know, the, the, you know, the different sort of. Criteria for the capital providers shift, and therefore the, you know the
0: the 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 deployers of capital and the management team shift. Right, it's just kind of how it works. So maybe go through some of your thinking along the years. I mean, you know, you go from these Hamptons and comforts to you know, heck, Ritz-Carltons and all New York. You know, you're in secondary and tertiary. And now you're in major metro: New York, Philly, Boston, California, Miami. Like, where did that fundamental shift change? Yeah, you know, just with you know, the industry—is that just the industry growing up, and you guys grew with them, lifestyle and the like, rather than? Or no, was there... I think
1: you know, to, you know, in my mind, it's a little bit—it's a little bit market-driven, and I'll, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. And and you know, I think we were talking about it earlier, but every generation has different tastes and preferences, right? And you kind of yes. want to—you know—you kind of want to—you want to skate to where the puck is going to be, right? Yes. And and so—and so, and I think that's where some of the changes came from. For a while, we had kind of this barbell strategy as we were kind of dipping our toe into the luxury and lifestyle space. You know, the luxury space is a little easier to figure out, right? This is a, you know, luxury generally, you know, recovers a little later in the cycle, but they almost always exceed prior peak. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they, and, and, you know, they'll last far to the end of the cycle, right? Whereas you have, you know, Mid scale or upscale select service that recovers really early, flattens out a bit, right? And it doesn't grow as much. And then, you know, its cycle might end a little sooner than the luxury assets. Then the lifestyle assets, you know, the reason we got into those was, you know, when, you know, we started learning that in certain markets where you have a, a pretty robust level of market demand generally, you know, the cost of customer acquisition with digital marketing. And, you know, I won't say e-commerce because, you know, I think something, you know, relying too much on OTAs is not necessarily where, you know, where our heads were at. But when you can develop capabilities in-house and you have enough scale to do it uh, for your digital market to drive original demand to independent lifestyle hotels, well, the economics are, are terrific. The guest experience, you know, the share and the loyalty you drive are strong. Uh, and so, you know it's, it's, you know, it's been different. You know, I, I think this, this generation of travelers, their tastes and preferences are... They want to be anticipated, right? Like we might have used to find that creepy, but I think here it's kind of expected. And if you don't anticipate, you know, the last couple of generation generations of travelers, it's a little bit like, duh, like, you know, it's, it's so easy. Like, And I kind of would like that. And I think, you know, the experiential, you know, the experiential, the drive for experiences continues. And I think, you know, I think that's going to be a generational thing with continued tailwinds. And, you know, and 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 then thirdly, you know, I think it's, you know they're also looking for more efficiency, minimal friction when it comes to booking and checking in. You know, they want to be in contact with people for different reasons than maybe other generations did, right? And so, not so much automation, but really having you know ha- you know having a a real good grasp and capability, and to be able to facilitate electronic. And digital communication, transactions, and, and 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 the and the and the whole lot of it. And and so I think with those changing trends, you know, the opportunities always change. You know, there's and and, and I think as you know, as this industry has continued to grow and grow as we talked about more and more capital coming into it, you know, the, the larger swaths of the industry, you know, go through periods where they're commoditized. Right. And and you know, when you're trying to drive You're trying to drive out performance and outsize returns at the end of the day. You know, you have to you know, you have to stay somewhat nimble.
0: Is a publicly traded REIT the right vehicle to own hotels in today? You know, I. You know,
1: I. You know, it can be for certain portfolios, I think, for our portfolio, and I think for several others out there, it's it's not the best. You know, I, I don't believe it. You know, it, it's changed. Right. It had been a fantastic platform and a great source of capital, great way to generate value for your shareholders and um, and to really, you know, you know, make great investments in the industry. Right. Because, you, know, you know, some of the largest owners uh, are the public ones. and And so and it's been great. I think it's just when you know what we noticed is that we were just having trouble over a period of years closing our valuation gap. I and mean, when you're, you know, when you know that your hotels can be sold for more in the private market than in the public market, then that you know your cost of capital's off, and you're, you know, because your values are off. And and so uh, for us, it you know it it felt like we didn't see a catalyst for that, you know, for that to change, you know, to you know, and so and so for us, we felt like taking it private with a financial partner was going to be better, better capital for the times for the portfolio.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. All yeah. right, so what's next? What's next for Jay Shaw? Maybe I should ask what's next for Neil Shaw, although we know that answer. What's next for dad? We know those answers.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: You know, I I
1: am, um, I'm going to spend some time skiing in January. Oh, yeah. And some of it is going to be alone. So I'm going to swoosh down some mountains and think about it. I just haven't decided. you, you know it's it's so interesting, Teague. We you know we've both been working many many years, and you know when you're closing a deal, you really can't think about anything until you're finished. And Correct. so I'm still kind of feeling finished here. It's, it's been about a week, but it's a uh, it's such an interesting time in the industry. I think it's an interesting time in the world. You know, despite you know there's there's a lot of stuff that's going on. I know that none of us like and we we prefer some of these you know some of this to calm down and things to be a lot more peaceful uh but that being said you know you know there is still this massive backdrop of dynamic technological change you know you know generational technologies are developing under our feet right now and so as much as our industry has changed under our feet over the last three decades You know, I got to imagine that, you know, the time we got left is going to be pretty exciting too.
0: So in the, even in all families, you, dad, Neil, three different people, three different personalities, compare and contrast like your management styles.
1: My dad started his business in a purely entrepreneurial way. I learned the business entrepreneurially, but, you know, we were able to move it into a more, you know, institutional format. And so we did that, right? So that's what I sort of grew up in and learned. And, you know, and now as Neil takes the helm, and, you know, Neil's been, you know, Neil's been a part of every strategic initiative we've had here at this company, but he being the the CEO going forward, you know, I think he's going to be working with, you know, uh, you know, a, a very different style of investing and capital deployment. And so, you know, so I think all of our styles are gonna reflect to some degree, you know the periods when we were, when we were most influencing the company.
0: That's a great answer, and the platforms. And I'm just envisioning Neil, and so now I'm going to have to have him on. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but um, I mean, he's private equity, right? That's a different game. Different, It's a different game. You got a yeah. churn, you got an IRR, like yeah, yeah. It, well, you, you know, the shift a little
1: bit, exactly, right. exactly. You do you, you know, you deploy your capital early there, let it season. And harvest the returns, uh, you know, versus being real measured in how you deploy capital so that you're not disrupting the operations of the hotel. It's a very, very different way of of, of investing.
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah. I'm fascinated to see how it goes. Yeah, I I think it's going to be great. He's going to do a terrific job. He's going to do a terrific job. And he's super talented and they're lucky to have him. Yes. So that's, yes, I mean I don't know, but that's part of our KSL. That's part of what I would be buying.
1: Yeah, well, well, that's right. You know, it's one of the reasons you know you want you want the CEO to do the deal because you know you you know you get to you know, the the folks on the deal. You know, I was taking a bit more of a back seat, but those they get to know each other real well, and that serves you well in the early years of the you know of the enterprise.
0: Uh, I agree with that, and maybe you know I don't know what the next generation Shah looks like. Family looks like, but uh, you know, you get some bright young next generation people. Your father had you guys; you guys have the next one to help lead some of those decisions.
1: Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. My son is, uh, you know, peripherally involved in the industry. He works; he's at PwC in New York, and uh, you know, works with the team up there. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see.
0: It's gonna come run the shop, family trust.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're. <laughs> You know, we'll, we'll we'll see, you know, it. but but I will say this, you know, I think for my brother and I, it has been, you know, it's been a very, very rewarding journey, you know, to have, you know, when your parents come to this country and they're 22 and 19 years old and they don't know what's going to become of them, you know, it's, it's a real great joy to be a part of their journey and to help build out their legacy. I think it, you know, it makes for a, a beautiful American story. And, uh, and it's a great Shaw Shah family story. So it, you know, whether the kids come into the business or not, uh, you know, they'll, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll have the values and take them do do whatever it is they might do if they're not here with us.
0: I, and I think that's, I want to echo that point. I mean, because I really think that's part of why I want to have you, have you on. I just think the story is so incredible, right? Okay, mm-hmm. immigrant, and engineer, and then your first motel. We've heard all those. But yeah. publicly traded vehicle and then a full exit. I mean, I'm, I'm, i they're not a lot. That's one of the better stories in, in surely in the hospitality industry, but probably in all industries. Yeah. No, no, we that I, tip tips uh, to you guys in the family.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And, you know, you, you know, we, we, you know, and, 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 you know, the, we know that nothing great happens without, you know, without being in group. And like, we've been very, very fortunate to, just have terrific partners in the early years, you know, that shared the conviction, shared the values and you know, drove things forward. And since then, you know, over the years the the people that have helped build both HHM and HT, you know, you know fortunately, many are still with us. There's many all throughout the industry today. And it's just it's a it's just a terrific uh, it, you know, it's a terrific journey. And being a part of an industry like the hospitality industry, I think, makes it doubly so.
0: Yeah, listen, I'm preaching to the choir, but that—that's why we're doing this. That's why we all do this. We—we we all we very, so many examples of why we're such a good industry and why yes. such good people in the industry. The people make it. We yes. have really good people. I hope yes. we can pass that on to the next to the next leaderships of our industry.
1: I hope so too. That's a very good. That's a that's a that's a worthwhile objective for all of us to have.
0: Listen, Jay, thank you. This is fantastic um thank you for coming on thank you for joining me thank you for sharing the story absolutely Um, and i um i'll see you on the slopes